Uh, so today we are closing out our series Ascend uh, as we've been walking through the Psalms of Ascent. Um, it has been such a great, great series. I've been really, uh, I personally have loved it. Uh, but a question, how many of you have been uh, following through our summer reading, like Bible reading? How many of you get that to your phone? A handful. Good. Okay. So uh, that means that there's a handful of you or two handfuls of you that are not. Um, and so I'm going to just just help you out with this. And so you can get, we, we do something through Flocknote, which I believe you have information. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's on there. You can, you can get the uh, Bible verses sent directly to your phone every morning at 5 a.m. It Put, keep your phone on vibrate or something and you won't get it. All right, cool. Um, but, but you'll get these Bible verses and so you can start your day with the word. And we've been reading through the, the entire summer, we've been reading through the book of Psalms. And, and what do you know it? That uh, as we're closing out the, the Psalms of Ascent series, we are approaching the Psalms of Ascent in our reading. Um, it's almost like we planned it that way, Right. I mean, almost, almost, but, but that, that, that's where we are. And so uh, if you are not receiving them, I highly, highly recommend you to, to get connected, to, to start your day with the word. Have you ever started a project, maybe at home or maybe at work or somewhere else, but you've started a project and about halfway through it, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Where are all these extra pieces coming from? What's going on? Like, like, like I, I like to think that I'm a pretty handy person, okay? I like to think that, that w- w- with enough time and enough YouTube videos, I, I can probably fix just about anything. My wife and I, we bought a house a couple of years ago, and it's a beautiful 1940 Cape Cod, um, like, it's, it's beautiful. Right, right across the street, sort of, from Paul's Bakery, um, which is the reason why I look like this, but uh, we're right across the street from Paul's Bakery, and, and it's, it's a beautiful house. We're looking at it. The only problem was that downstairs there were a lot of different rooms, and it was really blocked off. I guess back in the 40s they didn't care too much about like an open floor plan, I guess. And, and so as we're looking at it, I'm sitting there like talking to my wife, and I was like, yeah, I can knock that wall down. And in my head I'm like, what did you just say? Why, why would you say something so stupid? But I, I probably just got done watching, uh, binge watching Fixer Upper. And I'm like, oh, I could do anything that I want to. Um, and so since I'm, not, since I'm not a complete idiot, I asked my friend Ken Whedon, who's a retired contractor, to come and help me out before I just start blasting through things. Uh, and so uh, we get together, he comes over, and we start knocking out um, this wall. And um, the, the, it, it came down pretty quick, and we we're really excited about it. And then as we get to the bottom, I realize, because I'm, I've never knocked a wall down before, uh, but I, I realized that underneath the wall is not the original hardwood flooring that's running the entire length of the house. It's subflooring. And so I'm like, what do I do with this? What am I supposed to do with subflooring? Do I put a, a rug down? Is that going to be okay? Um, and so um, it's, it's not. For those of you that are like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, it, 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 that, that's not okay. Um, and so I, I tell Lara, after we knock the wall down, I tell Lara, I'm like, you know, I can, I can fix this. Like, that's, that's no big deal. And so I watched the first 30 seconds of a YouTube video that told me which, which wood to buy, and I just got after it. And um, about four hours later, 
about four hours into me putting wood flooring down, like, um, I started to think, would it be faster to build a wall back up? Would, it, would my time be better spent building a wall as opposed to laying the floor down? I believe that sometimes, sometimes we get halfway into something and we decide it's, it's not worth it. Sometimes when we are experiencing something and we're about halfway through the process, we're like, man, I just wish things were the way they used to be. I wanted a wall, not a new floor at that moment. Throughout the series of Ascend, we, we, we've been talking about these songs and how they were sung by, by pilgrims or journeyers on their way up to Jerusalem, as they were going to one of the great feasts, as they were traveling up to Jerusalem. These, these were songs for the process, songs for the journey. These were anthems for the life in between. These were their songs that they would sing after they would leave the places that they were from and they were going to the places or heading to the places where they were going. For us, though, for you and for me, when we make the decision to go or to start something new, it's oftentimes easier to look back and wish that things were the way they used to be, right? Maybe it's just me then. But I know that I, I, I find myself constantly wishing, like, I just wish that things were that way again. And the psalm that we're going to read today is essentially just that Tension, And so we're going to read through Psalm 132. If you, don't, if you open your Bible, it will be on the screen. But it says, Psalm 132, Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed to the mighty one of Israel, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids and slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary to, for the mighty one of Israel. We heard that the ark was in Ephrathah. Then we found it in a distant countryside of Jair. Let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord. Let us worship at the footstool of his throne. Arise, O Lord, and enter your resting place. Along with the ark, the symbol of your power, may your priests be clothed in godliness, and may your lo loyal servants sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject the king you have anointed. The Lord swore an oath, uh, an oath to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them, then your royal line will continue forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever, he said. I will live here, for this home is the home I desired. I will bless this city and make it prosperous. I will satisfy its poor with food. I will clothe its priests with godliness. Its faithful servants will sing for joy. Here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king. There are a few things that we need to make sure that we grasp, a few things that we need to make sure that we understand before we move on to help us better understand why all of this really matters. First, in verse 2, it says that, that David made this solemn promise. 
In other translations, it says that, that David swore. I'm sorry to inform you, but yes, there is swearing in the Bible. So I'm sorry about that. And then in verse 11, it says that this is where God swore back. It said that um, God heard David's heart. God, God heard what was happening. He, he, he understood the heart of, of, of David and what, what was going on behind the scenes. And God made a covenant with David. In the mess, or it says, verse, verse 11 actually says, The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise he will never take back. This seems pretty serious to me. He'll never go back on his word. So someone help me understand, like, why, why does this matter? Why is this important? What, what, what does it mean? Like, what's the bigger deal? Why does it matter like, that, that, that God will not go back on his word? Well, we aren't really sure who wrote this. We aren't really sure exactly when it was written. But we do know that it was written while God's people, the Israelites, were in captivity. They were in a season, in a place that it wasn't what God had promised. They were in a time, and they, they, they were living in a, in a state of liminality. After the promise was made, but before the promise was fulfilled. God's people were staring at an unfinished floor, wishing it was a wall again. This psalm is a prayer. It's, 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 it's a prayer for God to show up, to, to come through on what he had planned, what he had promised, what he had told them so many years before. And so for the rest of our time to, to, today, here's where I want us to sit. And this is where I want us to rest and, 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 and to, to, to kind of think through or process through. When life isn't going the way you had hoped, where do you turn? When, when your plans that you had for your life, when they're not lining up with the plans that are actually playing out, where do you turn? When, when things aren't going the way that you had hoped, do you look to see where God is moving or do you wish for the good old days? Where do you go? Where do, where do you process? I believe that we are prone to live in the past. I believe that it's, it, it, it's easier to, to just see what God has done and to, I'm just going to hang out living in this arena versus the unknown of what tomorrow may hold. I, I would much rather just hang out over here and not really have to worry about everything that, 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 that's happening now because I know that God is going to show up and I know that God is good and he, he does these things. And so I think that I'm, I'd rather just Remember what God has done versus moving into the ways that God is moving and the rhythms of God's goodness today. I love how verse 11 says it in the message. It says, God gave David his word and he won't back out on this promise. God gave David his word and he will not back out. And here's what, I, here's what this means to me. And it's pretty profound, so you may want to um, go ahead and write this down, okay? But, but here, here's what this means to me. It, uh, if God makes a promise, he won't back out on it. 
If God makes a promise, if, if, if God says that he's going to do something, then we have to believe that God is actually going to come through on it. We have to believe that God is who he says he is, that, 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 that God is going to do exactly what it is that he says he's going to do. We just sang a song that said, all of your promises are yes and amen. God, you are good. You are worthy. I trust you. If God says he's going to do something, can I just tell you that my God is good for it? My God, my God is faithful and just. And if he says he's going to do something or show up in some way, then he's going to do it or show up. And here's the hard part. Here's the hard part for us. We, we, we have to believe that God's timing is perfect. It may not always be our timing, right? Like, if, if we're honest, it may not always be according to the watch that we have and, and, and the, the plans that we have, but, but his, his timing is, is perfect. And if God makes a promise, he's going to come through on it. But all too often, we hear these promises of God, and, and if, 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 if these promises are not fulfilled in the amount of time that we are hoping for or planning on or, or, or whatever, then we begin to lose hope. We begin to lose faith. We begin to question if God can actually do these things. We begin to question and doubt the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. We begin maybe even to doubt the existence of God. I mean, maybe not in the extent that we'll like stop going to church or anything like that, but like the way that we live suddenly our priorities begin to shift. Suddenly, little by little, we begin to listen to God, spend time with God in, in, in prayer or quiet study. We begin to do these types of things less and less. And our focus has now shifted. We forget. We forget that we've been purchased. We forget who who we are and whose we are and we forget that we have a new name and a new purpose we kind of just exist so back to the place of in between C.S. Lewis said in his essay The Weight of Glory he says these things, the beauty, the memory of our own past are good images of what we really desire but if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into, catch this, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not yet not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have not yet visited. When we long to go back, when, when, when we are just everything in our heads and our minds and our hearts are, are, are longing for us to go back instead of moving forward in the rhythms of God. What is it that we're actually longing for? Is it, is it the nostalgia? Is it the feelings that we had or the experiences that we experienced? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it a little bit of all of those things? Or is it something completely different? But what is it that we're really longing for? And what, what did we risk? 
What is it that we're risking? What is the problem with crying out to God that He would just do something that He did in the past and let's just do it again, God? Like, what, what is the problem with that? Well, as C.S. Lewis says, it, it, that can become a, a dumb idol. That can be something that's hollow, that, that, um, that we're searching for something and we're seeking after something that, 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 that is not God. We're seeking these experiences that God created and we're trying to recreate those same experiences. And, and in the process of trying to create these experiences and these movements of God, we have suddenly forgot to pursue God himself. Paul says in Philippians, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the things that have gone on in the past and just continually looking to see where God is moving and joining in on that story. Our security does not lie in a bygone era, era, but, but in an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't lie in, in, in something in the past, but it's something in the future, something that we're striving for, walking towards, journeying for. So for the remainder of our time, we're going to look at uh, three quick things that are going to help us in this, in this space of in-between. And the first one is God is working in our waiting. We have to remember that, that even when we don't hear God, that God is still doing something, that God is still showing up, and he is still moving. One of the hardest things for us to grasp is, is, is waiting, especially, especially when we don't know for how long we're going to be waiting. And when we encounter it, there is something inside of us that's going to try and do anything and everything in our, in, in our power to expedite this process, right? And we realize that, that, that we actually hate the process of waiting. We hate this season of just waiting for God to show up. But there's actually something that's happening when nothing is happening. If we remember the story of, 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 of Adam and Eve, we, we remember that, that theirs is a story of rebellion. And as soon as they believed that, that God no longer had their best interests in mind, then they, they decided that they were just going to go off and take matters into their own hands. And they were going to start doing, or they were going to go ahead of God and start doing whatever it is that they wanted to. And in a sense, they became their own God. They, they became their own God, just saying, we're just going to do whatever it is that we want to do. And we do the very same things today. We do that exact same thing today. When God tells us to wait, we decide that, that he's no longer trustworthy, that he's no longer good. And we've, we begin to find ways to accomplish these goals that we've set up on our own. And we get ahead of God. And then we begin to push God aside. And that goes against his plan for us. And it creates distance and tension in the relationship. But God wants us to learn, he wants us to learn how to follow him. To, to calm down this screaming child inside of us in this microwave society that we've created to pause. To just wait. And God teaches us best in that waiting period, in that time where, where, where we've, we're past the, the, the promise and we're waiting for the reward of this. So trust the wait. The second thing, 
There are going to be choices at the crossroads. Choices at the crossroads. Our natural response to waiting is, is more often not, than not anger or doubt. Like if you have kids, like you, you, you know this. If you tell your kids like, just wait, I'll, like birthdays. I mean, I, why, why having kids? Why do we do this? This is a terrible thing. Um, but like you, you tell them just to wait. Like, hold on, I can't get you another gift because your birthday is tomorrow. Pump the brakes. And then, and then if they don't get it right then and, and there in that moment, then they start to have meltdowns. And you're like, here, fine, just have all the presents. Tomorrow's going to be terrible. For adults, when we're told to wait, we more often than not, we get angry. Or we begin to doubt. But fortunately, we serve a God of of grace and of mercy who understands who we are and understands our tendencies. And while we are in this place of in-between, while we are in a season of uncertainty and waiting, we have have the power within us to decide where our feelings and our emotions are going to take us. Do Do we trust God in the waiting? Do we trust God in the process? Or are we just going to move ahead and try to figure things out on our own, on our own time? Ultimately becoming our own God. John Piper says it like this. He says, waiting on the Lord is the opposite of running ahead of the Lord. And it's the opposite of bailing out on the Lord. It's staying at your appointed place while he says wait. Or it's going at his appointed pace while he says go. It's not impetuous and it's not despairing. So we have the choice to take a breath, to just rest, to pause, to embrace the wait, to to look forward to what's to come with expectation, not, not to move ahead of God or wishing for something that used to be, but to keep our eyes focused on the future of what God is doing and what God is going to do. We have the choice to allow God to be God, not us. And the final thing, pray for God to work in us. Pray for God to work in us. And I know that it kind of sounds redundant and silly, like pray. Yeah, okay, get it. Good, awesome, got it, I'll pray. But so often, so often we forget to really pursue God's heart because ours has gotten in the way. So often we forget to pursue the movements and the rhythms and the plans of God Because our own heart, our own plans, our own rhythms, they've now gotten in the way. And so we find ourselves in that, when we find ourselves in that place of waiting and and, and in this liminal space, it's easy to want to return to something that used to be and just forget about what God has for us. Forget about the things that are to come, to, to just wish that things were the way they used to be as opposed to a better day. But as people on a journey towards God, becoming more Christ-like, it's important to make sure that our plans are still His plans. That, that our hopes and our dreams are still the ones that He's written onto our hearts. To make sure that we are still in line and, and in tune with, with what God has for us. And prayer helps us do this. 
Prayer helps us make sure whether, uh, whether we're on the right track and the right path, doing the right things. And it, 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 it unites our needs and our wants with God's wants and God's purposes for us. So in our prayers, we pray that God would remind us of his power, of his goodness, and of his trustworthiness. And that even, even in the silence that we can still be learning and growing and, and moving forward. The second part of Psalm chapter 132 is, is, is God's response. It's, it, it's, it's God, his response to God's people as they have been crying out. And in that part, he says over and over and over again, I will. I will. I will do this. I swore to you. I will do this. I will be there. I, I, whatever it is that you're waiting on, whatever it is that you're hoping to have happen, whatever it is that's going on, whatever it is, God says that I will. God will answer you. God will be with you. God will speak truth into your life. God will restore what has been broken. God will redeem your story. God will do immeasurably more than you can think or imagine or hope. God will. As a community here in a moment, we're going to move into communion. And there is no better example of God's trustworthiness than that of Jesus Christ. The long-awaited promise of a Savior, it came. And with communion, we, we, we celebrate and we, we remember we turn our hearts and our minds towards God and we say, yeah, you are who you say you are and I, be I believe you. God sent his son, Jesus, as a baby to live a perfect life, a sinless life, blameless, to be crucified for you and for me, that we may have a relationship with him to be reminded that we are sons and daughters of the King. And in a few moments, as we, as we move into communion, I'm gonna ask you to come up and grab a piece of bread and grab a cup, and then for a few moments, just to reflect and remember on the promises that God has made. And be reminded that God is good even in the storms that we face, even in the craziness of our life, that God is good and God is faithful and God is just. And we see that in Jesus. Not to live and not to look only for the old days, but to be reminded that, that God is good and that he has your best interest in mind. If, if you're sitting here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I just want to encourage you to do that today before you leave this place. 
It is the best decision that you will ever make. I promise you that. I, I, I promise you that, that you will experience a new level of freedom, that you will experience something, something bigger and better in the plans that God has for your life. There's freedom. There's nothing really necessarily magical about the prayer, but it's basically just saying that, God, I just, I ask for forgiveness for the life that I've lived. And I need you to be my Lord. And if that's you today, I would encourage you to do that. And you can say that however you want to say that, whenever you want to say that. We'll have some people on the sides of the room that, that, that if you would, if you want some of them to pray for you or pray with you or whatever it is. We'll have some of those people. But here in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then after I get done praying, you can get up and you can come grab the bread and the cup. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for who you are and for what you're doing and for what you're about. God, I thank you for the way that you move. God, I thank you for, for, for the seasons when I don't hear you. I, I, I can trust that you, that you are still with me. I can trust that you are faithful, that you are good. God, I believe with all that I have that you are who you say you are and that you will do what you say you're going to do. God, I pray for the people right now in this moment that are living in a season of, of uncertainty, of this, of this liminal space where they have left where they've been and, and they're, they're on the way to something new, but they don't know what that is and they don't know when it's gonna happen. God, I pray that you would calm, calm their hearts right now. I pray that you would remind them right now and in, in this moment that you are good. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for, for the promise that you will never leave us. And I thank you for the cross, for the resurrection. God, I thank you that you are faithful and good. love you with my whole heart. Gosh, your name we pray.